Welcome to the One Last Sketch Podcast, Dungeoneering Edition. I'm Michael. I'm Marie. And I'm Corey. This is episode 21, where we're doing something a little bit special. I found a bunch of TSR Endless Quest books at the Marsh Lake Dump, which I should probably explain. Yeah, the dump in Whitehorse sounds amazing. Like, seriously, I just want to go to Whitehorse for the dump. Well, I'm in a rural area, which means we're in, we don't use the main Whitehorse dump. We dump our garbage elsewhere. That one has a free store, and people drop off books all the time there. And I pick them up, which included... Let's see. What have I found? I found The Master and the Margarita. Mm-hmm. Which is a great book. <laughs> I found Ghost in the Shell, the graphic novel. Yeah. If you can get past the fan service, also a great book. Yeah. And one time, somebody had just dropped off five boxes of their science fiction fantasy collection. Yeah. I guess they were moving out. So a big chunk of my bookshelf is just stuff that I recovered from. Yeah. That. And didn't you, didn't you get like your typewriter from there too? Yeah, I got. I found a royal typewriter at the free store. Yeah, all sorts of cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, we have a very transient population, mm-hmm. so a lot of time when people move out, they'll have their garage sale and then they'll just haul everything else. And so other adventures are had at the dump and now out of the dump. Yeah, so Endless Quest is, I think, TSR's first publishing venture uh, after they released Dungeons & Dragons. We talked about Dragonlance before, which was the first novels that they released. Mm -hmm. These are earlier. Mm -hmm. The one I'm holding now is from 1982. Uh, at the time, game books were being released by other companies, but not by TSR, Tactical Studies Rules Incorporated. Mm-hmm. Notably, I believe the first ones were put out by the guy who made Tunnels and Trolls, which was the second ever role-playing game developed after Dungeons & Dragons, and was, I think the ethos behind that one was it takes way too long to conclude combat. Mm-hmm. In D&D, so we're going to make a role-playing game that emphasizes the other stuff mm-hmm. and lets you resolve combat really quickly. Yay! It's not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And another not bad idea they had was Solo Adventures. Mm-hmm. So they put out these little booklets that had paragraphs numbered, and you would make a choice at the end. Mm-hmm. And if you encountered a monster, you'd fight it, or roll the dice for blah blah blah, and you do it. Do we need dice? Nope, not for this, because I'm about to get into that, since the Tunnels and Trolls adventures, I think, uh, blossomed out into the more famous game books, like Fighting Fantasy is the biggest one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those were especially popular in Britain, but they were also popular here. Mm -hmm. And Lone Wolf was the other major one. All of those had rules. Uh, TSR, when they finally got into this game, decided not to do that. <laughs> this is lo- this is more like your typical choose-your-own-adventures, which we all... I don't need to explain choose-your-own-adventures. Every kid has read choose-your-own-adventures in North America. Well, maybe except for now. I don't know if they still do that. 
Do they still do that? Every kid of our generation mm-hmm. has read at least one <laughs> yeah. and felt the like mind-numbing frustration that is getting screwed over by the book. I mean, it's it's yeah. very likely that um, the demographic that actually listens to this podcast knows what Choose Your Own Adventure is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have a de- that is very true. Wait, wait, wait. We have a demographic now? Oh, yeah. Special. Oh, yeah. It's like four people that regularly listen or something. <laughs> so another thing that we probably forget about the early days of Dungeons and Dragons is that they were very oriented towards selling stuff to kids. Oh, yeah. And now that you got people in their 40s and 30s playing 5th edition D&D and totally hardcore, I think they kind of forget that. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird, because Dungeons & Dragons has effectively grown up with its audience. Mm-hmm. Or not, as it were. Or, yeah, or not, as it were. <laughs> right, but it's gone from being marketed to kids to kind of more of an adult market, and now you're kind of getting to the level point where the really experienced gamers who've been playing it all their life are having their own kids, so they're now sharing it with their children. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we don't really have the line of ancillary products Mm -hmm. that D&D had back in the 80s. Like, now it's mostly about those rules and maybe figurines and special dice. Mm -hmm. Kind of. The regular old merchandise you can get for any famous product off the internet mm-hmm. but back then they were really putting out stuff that was aimed exclusively for children mm-hmm. like even in the back of this first book mm-hmm. uh, we got some really cheesy art <laughs> with dungeon adventure game a fantasy board game for the entire family <laughs> advertised here <Nice>. is it <laughs> dungeon was a i don't know if they print dungeon anymore i don't think they it was do. like a simplified version of dungeons and dragons that you played on a board oh i played that as a kid yeah, i sure did it was for the entire family yeah it was actually pretty fun because yeah part yeah part of that kid oriented merchandising was also trying to convince teachers to bring D&D into the classroom, and I think that pretty much ended with the satanic panic. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, chick tracks. Whoops. Yeah, but back in the day, yeah. back in the day, they were trying to get teachers to, yeah. this is an imaginative thing kids can do, and it'll help them grow and yeah. do problem solving and stuff, right? Heavy metal probably so, didn't help with this. <laughs> <laughs> if you think of, I mean... Ignoring the satanic panic, though, that's actually not a bad point. Like, I mean, as an educational tool, it's a very good way to teach things like narrative, to teach how narrative is structured, to teach the creation of narrative. Like, there's a lot of value to role-playing games. And, like, every child's game, to teach how to argue about rules. That, too. (laughs) Because if if you're not arguing about rules, you're not role-playing. Also, you're not really having fun. The first, the very first Endless Quest Dungeons and Dragons Pick a Path adventure mm-hmm. is Dungeon of Dread dun, dun, dun. by Rose Estes, mm-hmm. which, or Estes, mm-hmm. uh, I have no idea. I don't think she wrote much of anything else beyond Endless Quest books. <laughs> it cost all of $2 back in the day. Yeah. And I will just read the opening blurb. TSR's Endless Quest TM books represent significant advancement in the field of juvenile literature. Not not only can readers affect the outcome of an adventure through their choices, they are challenged to analyze situations and make intelligent choices upon upon the data available. There's a missing word there. Mm. 
Intelligent choices generally yield favorable outcomes. Generally. Except when this book generally. totally screws you over. Well, it's a choose-your-own-adventure, so always. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> While unwise selections will lead to unpleasant results, mm-hmm. an endless quest book can therefore provide both quality entertainment and education. Doctor. Doctor Don C. Snow. Oh, well... Probably a so that was not written for the kid who was going to pick this up. No, because no. the kid isn't going to care. <laughs> <laughs> they were marketing this as an educational tool that also had Larry Elmore art. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, not uh, as convincing they, as it could have been, maybe. You know, I, I don't know, I'm going to argue that. I think to some extent it was successful, because I remember all through elementary, every classroom Rick- had Choose Your Own Adventures of some description. We're talking about the art, though. Oh. The art choice, like choose your own adventure, was marketed the same way as this book. Yeah, in that it was the opening blurbs would always be geared towards educators. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So instead of following the game book model of tunnels and trolls or fighting fantasy, mm-hmm. they were going after that demographic. Didn't last very long because none of the other stack of these endless quest books I picked up mm-hmm. have that at the beginning anymore. They're like, ah, just buy it because it's cool and whatever. <laughs> Yeah. So, since we got such a long preamble introducing you to all this, I think it's time we get into what we're actually doing here. It should be obvious, though, I hope. I don't know. So, I got this book here. I'm going to be acting as the kind of sort of dungeon master, and Corey and Marie are going to be controlling the adventurer. With analytical reasoning. (laughs) Yeah. Apparently. I I am not going to be reading this verbatim. I'm going to be doing a lot of paraphrasing. Because we'd all go mad. So she didn't. Yes, we, we get, yeah. <laughs> that would take way too long if I was to say everything. So I will try and give a general gist of the situation. You can ask questions mm-hmm. while while I'm reading. After I give the choices that you can make and you want stuff clarified, I will try and answer to the best of my ability. We're adults. Come on. Cut this figured out. (laughs) (laughs) The only rule here is that when the choices come up, you both have to agree uh, which one to make before I will flip through. Well, we'll see how that goes. The other rule is you only get one chance. Okay. Once we die, we're dead. And we might have to open a new book. We'll see how long this lasts. Yeah. Once you're dead, you're dead. Unlike a DM, I have not gone through this beforehand. I did not sketch out a campaign. I have no idea what <laughs> results these choices are going to yield either. So you can ask me for advice. You'll, but... you'll be as clueless <laughs> as we are, really. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be just as clueless about that. Okay, well. So this book is for Tom, apparently. Oh, Tom. Tom's a nice guy. <laughs> it's dedicated to someone named Tom. Uh, unlike Choose Your Own Adventure books where you are the hero, Mm -hmm. you are role-playing. Oh, well. You are a human fighter, 5 foot 9, 150 pounds. You're smart and have survived many adventures. That's small for a fighter. Yeah, I was going to say, this guy's like featherweight. (laughs) That's shorter than me. This person weighs less than I do. Wait, we're five foot four? Five foot nine. Oh. Five foot nine. Oh, I was going to say, this person's shorter than me. <laughs> All right. It's not the height part. It's more that he's only 150. He, this guy's really scrawny. Okay. <laughs> so you have a sword, a dagger, a long sleeve green tunic, and leather breeches, uh, some leather boots, a hunter's cloak, 
flasks, you have flasks of oil, a tinder box, a length of rope, and a bunch of other gear. And none of this actually matters, since you don't need to keep inventory. I know. <laughs> <laughs> or roll any stats dice. Yeah. So. Cool. We have all these Let things. us begin. Uh, you stopped for a night after staying in a strange forest. There's no reason given why you're in this strange forest, but here you are. You couldn't find the tavern, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You awake because a breeze is tugging at your cloak, but you go, the night is too calm. There can't be any breeze. So you wake up and your eyes snap open and you see a halfling is looking through your stuff. God damn it, Frodo. Not doing it very well. He obviously failed his skill check. Can we murder it? (laughs) There's no choice yet. (laughs) So you catch him and you're like, give me a reason why I shouldn't kill you. And he's like, oh, no, don't kill me. I'm a poor, hungry halfling. My name's Loris. I'm Loris? kind of a pathetic person who is not strong enough to harm anybody. <laughs> but I just escaped from this dungeon. And if you let me go, I can lead you to this dungeon, which is filled with treasure and adventure. Do we have choices? So you're curious. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're curious about this, and you're like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) What else? (laughs) Okay. After he gives you a bit of background that the dungeon is ruled by an evil wizard named Calman, which is a totally uh, wonderful name. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Calman or Cowman? Calman. Oh, okay. So basically, everything was fine until Calman decided to take up residence in this dungeon. Can we call him Calvin? Because I'd like to have the idea that he's really a guy of severe philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you can call Loris Lori if you want to. I'm sure you Or Doris. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, his crops start dying, livestock starts dying, everything starts dying. And so people get pissed off. Meh, meh, I'm an NPC. <laughs> meh, 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 meh. Yeah, and they try and, try and get rid of this guy. Loris has especially the bright idea that if I can get in here and do something about this, I'll come back a hero. Mm-hmm. But he was kind of sucky. Yeah, <laughs> so I got that he sense. Ended up, he ended up running away. And he's like, well, you look like somebody who could do this. And, you know, there's treasure in there and people will sing songs about you. So I'm not sure why he was trying to steal from our stuff, but okay. Yeah. Have we gotten to the point where we can murder the halfling yet? We should note that we are sort of old. We do play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. So we are unfortunately of that mentality. <laughs> can you kill it and loot its corpse? Yes. He didn't make it very far, and somebody put a spell on him so that he saw the treasure and then carried him out again without any of the stuff. So he was hungry, and he was lost, and he didn't know how to get back home. And so instead of appealing to this fighter sleeping there for help, he decided it was better to just try steal your stuff and be on his way. Uh, I see he wants uh, to be a For some character. reason, you don't want to kick his ass after he tells you this story. What? I'm having a hard time. <laughs> yeah, I disagree with the book on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you're like, okay, Loris, show me the opening into the mountain. And Loris is like, uh, I know I just said that I would, but I don't really want to go back there. <laughs> after a bunch of useless arguing. <laughs> Which we're just paraphrasing you. for us, thank God. <laughs> he brings you over to the opening of the mountain, and you see a large crack, 
that you think you remember reading about in The Hobbit when you were in the Misty <clears throat> Bilbo in the Misty Mountains. Yep. But this halfling isn't nearly as brave as Bilbo is. Mm-hmm. We should clarify. Yeah. Bilbo's kind of a chicken shit. <laughs> mm. Yeah, at least at the beginning. Mm. He leads you there, and you're like, what's going to happen to you if you go back to my village? And he's like, my wife's going to probably kick me out. Because <laughs> I don't have any treasure or anything, and this was a stupid adventure, and I lost all my stuff. Uh, so you're like, well, you led me to this cave, and you went into there, and even though it didn't turn out for you, for you uh, maybe together with our forces combined, we'll be able to survive this adventure and bring back split 50-50, not 50-50. I think we're more like 90-10. Mm. Okay, so if we can't <laughs> murder the halfling, can we use it as a meat shield? Wait, have we just gotten an annoying sidekick? I think we just got an oh, annoying crap. sidekick. <laughs> yeah, he's not a fighter. He tells you that right away. Yeah, I noticed. <laughs> but he might have thievery skills. They're not very good. He's like a level half rogue, apparently. <laughs> yeah, but for some reason he's like, okay, that sounds better than going back to my wife. <laughs> Hanging out with some random man. Okay, whatever. Whatever. I'm not going to pry into this guy's life choices. Okay, are we going to go into this dungeon and get started? (laughs) Okay, here's where we learn that your name is the vaguely Celtic Karak. Are we seriously (laughs) Karak? Why does it? Karak. I feel like Karak is from something that I've encountered before. Whatever. That just sounds like... Entirely possible. Yeah. I was going to say, it just sounds like a random mishmash of consonants with a few vowels thrown in. No, I think actually it's like one of the... I feel like it's one of the given the human names in like 3.0, 3.5 D&D. It's mm. I think so. But anyway. Uh, at this point, it would be first edition. <laughs> I know, but that doesn't mean it wouldn't have carried forward. <laughs> yeah, so in you go into the cave. Yay. It's dark. We didn't bring a lantern? <laughs> But there's light streaming in, so it appears to be a simple cave, and as your eyes grow accustomed to the darkness, you see that there's a skeleton in one corner. Of course. And he has a little shield by him. You take it. Yep. That sounds about right. Wait, we didn't have a shield? What kind of a nope, fighter are we? fighter did not have a shield, but you found one. Well, we had a big-ass two-handed You also weapon. found a dagger, Maybe. which you give to the halfling. So he can stab us in the back later. Yeah. And he... He doesn't seem like he knows how to use it, but you're like, use the pointy end. <laughs> Does he cut himself immediately? <laughs> He's like, okay, I think I got this. <laughs> he polishes your shield. Okay. Uh, I, that seems to be a necessary detail. I don't know why. And you look at the skull, and you see that he's looking at a message written in red. Maybe it's blood <gasps> on the wall. If it's, it would have to be pretty fresh blood. Yeah. If it's been there as long as the skeleton, it should be brown. Yeah. So, the message is, watch the water that is not water, and beware the basilisk. Only one half of this is useful to you, since the other half is self-explanatory. <laughs> I think I think you'd beware the basilisk. I generally beware basilisks. Yeah. That's a rule. So, <laughs> the important part is watch the water that is not water. Mm-hmm. This will probably come in handy later. I'm sure it will. So, the rest of the cave's empty, except for a pile of leaves and twigs on the west side, and there's a hole in the wall underneath the splattered red message. And you're like, well, Loris, what do we do now? Wait, wait, wait. Splattered red message? Like it's splattered inconveniently into these letters? 
Ah, uh, that was my own. Oh, okay, that was you. That's Stop ruining things. <laughs> so you're like, Loris, what do we do? And the halfling shrugs and goes, I don't know. I don't remember how we get through here because he's so useful. So we're now reaching <laughs> our first branching point <laughs> oh in your journey. Finally. Yes, one of them can we kill this halfling. <laughs> so number one choice, choice numero uno, if you wish to investigate the hole in the wall, turn to blah, blah, blah. Huh? Number two, if you wish to check the pile of leaves in the corner, blah, blah, blah. So you have the two. You can look in the hole or you can look under the leaves. See, I'm kind of tempted to go with the hole simply because I want to see if I can get a set a record for how quickly we get killed. I feel like if we look under the leaves, there's likely to be a snake and we'll get bitten or something. Um, but on the other hand, there could be an item under the leaves and the hole right. will still be there. Leaves. Maybe we'll fall through a fall floor. Yeah, leaves. Whatever. Leaves. Okay. We've reached consensus. You decide to look under this... Rocks fall! You're all dead. ...of leaves and twigs. <laughs> <laughs> but just to check to make sure it's not just like a clump of animal stuff, you put your feet right in the middle of the pile so you can spread it all out and see what's under there. And you fall through. I knew it! Of course. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> You are sliding down a chute that's smooth as glass, so that you're not hurt just yet. I feel like this is not a natural formation. Yeah, crazy, eh? <laughs> so much like the beginning of Zork, <laughs> yeah, you get shot out of this slippery tube, and you land on the rock, and Loris lands beside you because he's like, well, you just disappeared, so I just dove right in. Are you stupid? Yes. I thought maybe you were eaten by a monster, and you're like, no, it's not a monster, it's just a hole. So if you thought it was a monster, why did you dive in? Uh, Because he's Loris, and he does not actually want to go back to his wife. Let me know when we can slap the meat shield for not doing its job and for being stupid. Wait, how scary is his wife? Apparently she's more terrifying than a dungeon. She must be like a level 5 NPC. (laughs) Anyway, carrying on. So you guys are catching your breath. You see you're in a corridor. Mm. There is one torch and a bracket on the wall. And there are branches. The tunnel branches off to the left. Suddenly you hear footsteps. And a large ugly man thing comes into sight. He's carrying a torch. You can tell from his snout... And big sharp teeth, that it's an orc! Yep. And he is going to stumble across you any moment now. Here's what you can do <laughs> you can try and step into the side tunnel without being discovered, or you can go in swords blazing and attack that orc. Can we throw the halfling at it first? <laughs> no, I think these are our two choices. Damn it. Swords blazing, that's yeah. an interesting phrase there. Swords blazing. Yeah, I think so, because right. if we sidestep into this tunnel, we might just fall down another damn hole or something. <laughs> right. Hey, right. try to kill this orc and see if we die. Loris is like, I really think we should go into that side corridor, and you're like, fuck off, Loris. <laughs> Paraphrased, of course. <laughs> yeah. We won't make it in time. We're going to fight. Mm-hmm. So he's got a wooden shield and a sword. You do some ninja thing. That's all you need to know. Yep. But he, but Loris doesn't seem to get the memo, and he steps right into the torchlight at the orc charges. So you're like, God damn it, Loris! <laughs> Why are we trying to save Loris? I feel like this is out of keeping with our character. Yeah. <laughs> so you basically use your cloak like a toreador, 
Where's the bull? Tore Toronga. You wrap it around the orc's head. The orc's taken by surprise because he didn't see you because of your mad ninja skill. <laughs> and you guys both go after this poor blinded orc <laughs> and kill him. So we, we stab him mercilessly? That's how you yeah, do a sneak check, Loris. You both just stab him to death. Yep. And obviously Loris has never killed anyone before because he said so. And, he has and a... you're like, fuck off, Loris. It's just an orc. What useless adventurer is this Loris? Like, seriously, orcs are a dime a dozen. They're, they're like, um... Is he having an existential crisis? Because that's lame. <laughs> Basically. Ugh, that's... He tells you he... He's okay, yeah, okay, it's just an orc, but I got a queasy stomach. I can't even eat liver. Isn't that like a standard adventure story cliche? There's the person who's never killed anything before, and they kill something for the first time, they feel horribly guilty about it, and then they go on to commit like several thousand more murders with no remorse at all? Well, we'll see. We'll see what Loris's moral compass <laughs> will do. Is this or your wife, Loris? <laughs> <laughs> so you guys drag your drag the orc into the side passage after taking your cloak back. Yep. And then you're like, all right. And you continue down the corridor. We didn't loot the corpse. Honestly. He didn't have anything beyond the wooden shield. Mm, okay. The sword. And you guys have better equipment. Right. So you continue. You enter a room where two corridors are joining up. Mm. And you look around the edge of the door. And there's a large baboon there. This is not a natural habitat for baboons. <laughs> what is That's... this? He is sitting on a wine barrel. He's got a blue cloak on, and he's got a sword sheath. Uh, but the sword inside probably won't come out because it's covered in rust. This is like a Conan baboon. <laughs> <laughs> well, Conan baboons don't tend to be drinking deeply from a mug. Yeah. <laughs> Unless they, like, devolve. So you're like, what? Baboons don't live in dungeons, mm -hmm. and why is this guy here, and why is he drinking, and I bet he had a spell. you can tell from his sad, sad eyes that he looks very depressed. He must have had the... Um... He thinks you ought to know that he's feeling very depressed. Mm. I'm guessing he's like polymorphed or something, yeah, and he's going to join the party. It's a former adventurer, probably. <laughs> yeah, so you're like, Loris, what the hell? <laughs> like, like, WTF, Loris, and Loris is like... I haven't seen anything like this before. You haven't seen a hole before. Why do we keep turning to Loris for guidance? He's clearly dumb as shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, you can enter the room and face the baboon, or you can just continue down the corridor. The baboon might be more exciting than Loris. I think the baboon yeah. would be more interesting, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alright, so Loris is like, I don't like the looks of that monkey. Why did you come? Species, get over here. Yeah. <laughs> It's so you your room, you're holding your sword out before you. Meanwhile, the baboon is whimpering <clears throat> into his cup and making weird noises and gestures. And then you're like, wait, he's trying to speak to us. And you're like, Loris, can you tell me what he's saying? He's like, I don't speak baboon. Again, why <laughs> do we keep turning to Loris for guidance? Like, I, feel, I feel like we're not that smart. I feel at this yeah, point... So the the baboon starts crying. No. You're not really sure how to deal with this. We don't have... He a... jumps off of the barrel and fills up his cup again with water. Oh, he's an alcoholic baboon. Okay. <laughs> and now he suddenly pulls out his sword and rushes towards you. Ah. So obviously it wasn't too rusty because it still came out of the sheath. With a but screech. you're like, I don't really want to fight a drunk and depressed baboon. I do. <laughs> 
<laughs> I want to punch it right in the face. Is it wearing a fez? If it's wearing a fez, I kind of want to fight it. So he's swinging his sword around, but he the sword's coming nowhere near you. Is he he's just, just like it, oh, he's, banging he's off drunk, walls, right? <laughs> and you can tell he's strong, but he, he's not in any state. To so his dexterity is at like a negative three. <laughs> well, he's drunk. <laughs> hmm. So what I just said. <laughs> Yeah, so he does eventually come into your direction. I'm standing there watching this <laughs> And you, you half-heartedly raise your sword, but yeah, you're just protecting yourself. Mm-hmm. But he just throws your, himself onto it, and he falls down at your feet. Sorry, like, all bloody and dying. So the baboon literally just stabbed itself on our sword. Yeah. Okay. We weren't trying to kill him. It just happened. Oh, wow. That is... I'm really depressed about this. <laughs> That's, like, really brutal for a kid's book. Can we get into the wine? Because we just killed a, probably an alcoholic ex-adventurer. <laughs> so you look down, and you're feeling pretty bad about this. <laughs> and the baboon heaves himself up, and he wraps an arm around your neck and pulls your head close to his mouth, but again, you can't understand what he's saying, because he's speaking baboon. And then suddenly a white cloud appears over the baboon's body, and you're like, holy shit, and you try and wave it away with your hands. Magic! Magic is bad! It proves super ineffective. (laughs) (laughs) But as the cloud clears, you see there's a plump merchant who's lying on the ground in the place of the baboon. And if this were a story by Oscar Wilde, you'd know where this would be going. (laughs) (laughs) No. The merchant finally can whisper to you in a language you understand that he thanks you for providing your swords that he could fall on. And he's like, my wife always said I was ugly as an ape, and I guess she was right. What is with people's wives in this world? (laughs) So wait. Cloud reappears. You fan it away, and all that's left on the ground is the sword and the cup, and no baboon, no merchant. So we just killed an alcoholic baboon with severe depression, is what you're telling me. No, 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 no. He was really a merchant that was turned into a baboon. The point being, we killed. We just killed an alcoholic who'd been turned into a baboon and was clearly suffering from severe depression. Are we the bad guy? I'm starting to think we're the bad guy. Yeah. Now, if you thought this had significance to anything, you were wrong, because you just decided to leave the room. (laughs) 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 I guess this is just too much for you. Our character is just really weird. Our character's like, that's messed up. (laughs) Walking back out into the hallway. Yeah. Yeah. So you run away, and you pass another corridor, and you see a strange green reflection. Now, the rest of the corridor is empty. It's going straight for 100 paces. It divides. And goes to the right. Hey, I'm back up a bit. So we, we went out and we just went straight down the corridor? Yep. I think we just got railroaded. I feel like we yep. got railroaded. <laughs> <laughs> so both you and Loris are like, huh, should we go left or right? And you apparently do this for so long that a hobgoblin hears you and starts coming down the right-hand corridor. It lets out a big roar and starts running for you. So, the six and a half foot tall hobgoblin. Wait, what was this green thing that you mentioned? Well, while you were going, there was a corridor on the left that you peered into that left a strange green reflection. But you were not actually given any choice to Uh. investigate further. 
So right now you do have a choice. You can fight that hobgoblin, or you can run away down the corridor to the left. Let's actually try running for a while. Let's once. run away. Run away! <laughs> While shouting, run away. Run away! Run away! They bravely ran away. They bravely ran away. Race the Robin, race the Robin, can't So, you enter the corridor, and boom! There's the sound of grinding stone and dust falling from the ceiling. Rocks fell! Rocks they crushed more. They're like, oh, we need to get out of here. So you guys run away some more. <laughs> <laughs> but a roar knocks you off your feet, and the passage collapses. When the dust settles, you see the corridor is completely blocked. Has Loris been crushed? No. Damn it! (laughs) (laughs) So you're like, okay, we're not going to be able to get out here because we don't have tools, so we can only go forward. So you guys stagger along and down the corridor, and you enter a room. Typical adventurer logic, then. (laughs) Yeah, you feel a heavy menace in the air. Wait, how can we see? I... Is not explained. We didn't grab that torch. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. There are torches. Of course, lit torches. Using up the <laughs> precious oxygen so supply. You're in this. It's not well lit. It's a dimly lit room. There's stalactites, there's stalagmites, there's a smooth floor, and there's also a well. It's covered with a mysterious carving of ugly faces. You approach the well with sword in hand, and Loris is like, What are you doing? <laughs> I'm adventuring, Loris. The first, uh, probably practical thing he said all day. Mm, yeah. He's like, there's something bad in there, but I can't remember what it is. So oh, so he's seen this He immediately before. canceled out mm. his usefulness at this point. Thanks, Loris. Helpful as so always. Like, what kind of monster is in there? And he's like, I don't know. I didn't see anything like it before. Again. <sighs> Can we dangle him over it and see if something jumps out? I suppose funny. you could do the fool of a toque thing at this point. Yes, that would make sense. <laughs> you sneak up carefully to the well, and you see that it only has a shallow pool of water, but your instincts are telling you you've got to leave right away, but you can't. Wait, why uh, can't we? Uh, the reasoning is you've come too far, and you're not going to let some mysterious carvings frighten you. Oh, we're being stupid. Yeah. Also, so, railroad plot. Yeah. You look into the pool. I don't think it's water. I bet this is the water that is not water. That's my feeling. So you see that there's a bright gold key at the bottom. Uh, it's got diamonds and gems and stuff. Grab Loris by the ankles, dip him in to grab it. <laughs> well, you do say, like, come on, Loris, look. But he, like, runs away into the corner. <laughs> He's like having. He's like, I will not look into the mirror. It's like having a terrified chihuahua along, Loris. So really. I will not look into the mirror of what? He will not look into the mirror of Galadriel. Oh. Uh, <laughs> is that what it actually says, or is that you just being smart? No, that's me editorializing. Oh, okay. okay. But you're like, well, if that key's so important, who would leave this in this harmless pool with this harmless water? I feel like this is like one of those... It's going to be like those... acid or something. It's going to melt our hand. Or it's one of those pools that turns anything that goes inside into gold. So it, you could reach in to see what happens, but you, first you look around the room and you're like, wait, there's some other stuff here that I didn't notice before. Because mm. you're, that, you're that attentive. We really There's... failed our first search check. Yeah. <laughs> hey, There's the two doorways. Both the doorways are dark. You can't see beyond them, but you can see that there's bones in front of them. <gasps> so you're like, hey, Loris, bring me one of them bones. 
<laughs> so we're, we're a gangsta adventurer now? Yeah, so unlike everything else that's happened in this adventure so far, he actually listens to you what? and brings over a bone. <laughs> and you pick the bone up and try and snag the key out of the pool with it. But then the bone is wrenched from your hand, and a watery, cobra-like head rises out of the pool of the black one. That's a freaking basilisk. It surges at you, but you jump back away, and you, you move out of its striking range. And you're like, okay, that's that's good. It can't actually get out of the well. Yep. And the halfling's like, I told you so! And you're like, shut up. <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't tell us anything useful at all. <laughs> the halfling. <laughs> yeah. But you have more you have more knowledge than the halfling does, because you can tell that it's a water weird. Oh, okay, cool. Snake made out of water and that it can't leave the pool. Oh, it's like so, an elemental thing. Yeah, you've heard about it mentioned in old tales and you didn't think they were real, because why would you think all yeah, the magical and a world creatures are real exists. in your magical world of magic? <laughs> <laughs> Some things aren't real. Uh. Yeah. Sorry, this just reminds me of the typical fantasy trope where there's always like the magical thing that somebody talks about and everyone's like, oh, that's just a myth. It's never real. And then about halfway through the first book, it's revealed that it is real. And then sometime around the third to the fifth book, it goes from being a myth that's been proven to be real to this common thing that's everywhere. Yeah. 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 Sort of Shannara. Yeah. Should we call, so should we call Norris you Flake? basically just stand there watching the water weird and try and remember stuff about it. Yeah. And you're like, well, it, it will attack living things, but you don't need to remember that. So if we kill Loris, raise him from the dead, and put him in, it won't notice that at all. I don't think we have the It spell. will drag you into the pool and drown you, and you know that weapons are generally ineffective. Mm-hmm. So there are three choices. You can decide to leave by the doorway to the left, where you feel there's a cool breeze coming down from the doorway. You can choose to leave on the right, and you don't notice anything about that passage. Or we can drown or you can, and get the key. <laughs> you can try to get the key. Key. I feel like we're going to die if we get the key. I don't think we should go for the key. Why not? That's like the whole I feel like we're definitely going to die if we go for the key. <sighs> Fine, left or right. Uh, cool breeze or nothing, eh? Yeah. Cool breeze. Yeah, sure. Cool breeze. So you just leave the water weird behind. You know, no big deal. Yeah. Hopefully we don't need that key for anything. (laughs) We totally need it. See, there's another passage that's dimly lit. Mm -hmm. And you're like, we should probably get out of this main corridor because we've already got jumped by forks and hobgoblins twice now. Mm-hmm. What happens if you made it this far without getting into a fight? Like, did, does that bit of text still hold any relevance? Well, I was just editorializing there. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Remember, okay. I'm trying to avoid copyright infringement yeah. and other things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you keep on going down this other corridor, and you see that there's stone faces carved in the sides. They're all super ugly. Ugh. These people like, need to get... Gosh, Carrick, look at those ugly faces. Who's Carrick? Oh yeah, we're Carrick. <laughs> you are Carrick. Yeah. You are the hero, remember? And Loris is our stupid sidekick that we can't seem to kill for some reason. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so the carvings keep on getting bigger and bigger until they're this is, man size. This is very much like At the Mountains of Madness now. <laughs> Loris does not want to go on, but you're like, man up, Loris, just go. <laughs> <laughs> Quit being such a little bitch. Halfling up. On creeping along until you enter a large torchlit room. There's big old wooden beams all over the place. And the cor- this corridor is continuing down there. And while you enter, you're like, I think something is watching us, which you haven't felt before after passing all these statues that were watching you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And as you continue into the room, you see there's the most horrible collection of statues you've ever seen. We're very artistically inclined. We're like, wow, this is ugly stuff. (laughs) So I assume that uh, there's some Shoggoths, probably some ancient old ones. Yeah. Cthulhu sitting on a chair and you're super scared and you don't want to go on and it's good that you stopped because one of the statues starts moving. (laughs) You have just met a living gargoyle. It's the size of a dude but it's made of stone and it's got big wings and a big hooked knife on its elbows and a giant horn. Yeah, so it's pretty scary. And the halfling tries to hide behind you. Loris tries to hide behind your shield. Uh, And you're like, okay. Because you know that gargoyles are super ferocious. But you also think, maybe this gargoyle is one of Kalman's servants. And maybe the wizard's close by. I don't know why you come to the supposition, because nothing so far... (laughs) I know why. It's because really it's Calvin, and we're thinking of Presbyterian churches where there's lots of gargoyles. So that's sort of the connection here. (laughs) Yeah, or or it's Lord Kelvin, and you're like oh, the temperature of the <laughs> the sad <laughs> the sad thing being, considering the way role playing games usually go, neither of those is that far a stretch of logic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you have two choices. Mm-hmm. If you think you can fight the gargoyle, even though you know it's one of the fiercest creatures you can expect to meet ever, mm-hmm. you can do that, or you can run away. Where would we be running to? I said we fight it, because I, I, I think it's too big a lead, and it's like, oh, it's this big, ferocious monster. We don't stand a chance, so obviously we're going to win. Well, seeing as I totally said we're not going for the key, I feel like we should probably go with your decision on this one. So, All right, okay. fight the gargoyle. Woo, let's okay. go die! Let's we'll see if we get disemboweled. Only if Loris dies, too. Actually, if we die, Loris dies. That's a happy ending. You're like, I don't think the corridors around us are going to be any safer than this one. Mm. And so you decide to take your chances with the gargoyle. I mean, that's not a bad bad logic. All things considered. (laughs) So you creep around the corner of the wooden beam on the side of the doorway. Loris... Oh my god. Loris decides to remain close by you so he can help. But he trips. Yep. And falls. And you're and he's not moving. Crush his skull. Crush his skull. <laughs> Did he just kill himself by tripping? I guess he gave himself a concussion or something. <laughs> the gargoyle looks at you, gives out a big shriek, and leaps from its pedestal and then starts prancing and dancing. <laughs> I guess to scare you. Oh, it's a dance macabre! <laughs> so the halfling 
Loris did not get knocked out. He comes to, and he's like, run, Carrick! Don't stop for me. Okay. But you're like, I can't leave my friend Loris. Uh. Wait, wait, wait. Hey, wait <laughs> when did he become upgraded to friend? In game time, we've maybe known him a couple hours, and as far as I can tell, we spent most of that time hating him. <laughs> so the gargoyle starts taunting you, stops ten feet away, and he's like, I fart in your general direction. Dance <laughs> off, bitch! <laughs> <laughs> and then it kind of grows bored with hurling insults at you it lowers its head until its horn is at, at your chest and it starts running towards you can we like sidestep? but <laughs> at the last minute you fall what? <laughs> so the gargoyle ch- charges right over you can't stop itself its horn slams into the wooden beam behind you and it impales the wood and it can't Pull itself free, and it's just. Oh, there, it was going, a tactical. Fight. I love, would have succeeded too if it wasn't for you, damn kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, that's why so Lawrence, like, Lawrence is our scrappy dude. That's why he's so annoying. <laughs> so you're like, we probably shouldn't stay here long because he's probably going to get out get of that, yeah. or we could stab him. So you race down the corridor. We can't stab Stone. I can bludgeon him. I don't think we can do much to Stone. This is this is pretty good. Let's run. Yeah. Like we're being railroaded. So that worked out surprisingly well for you. Yeah. I like how we just randomly fell. We were overcome by yeah, fear. It, it wasn't even planned. You just fell. So you were standing there and then we just what, collapsed? We had like a small seizure? Yeah, basically. So now you're in a smooth and well-lit corridor. You're gripping your sword and your mirror bright shield. I feel like that they have oh mirror bright shield. It must be coming up to a basilisk. I feel that was a very Freudian description too. I feel like they need to get like whoever's building their their corridors. They need to like get a single contractor so they have the same quality throughout. Like honestly, <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> you're down this corridor. You come through an archway or to an archway, and you can hear heavy breathing from beyond. There's a cool breeze. It chills you to the bone. Running from up hill. Ow. <laughs> Suddenly, you hear mocking laughter from the archway. Good. And a deep voice says, Well done, fighter. Hello again, halfling. You surprised me. I had not thought to see you again. Wait, Loris got this far before? Are you paraphrasing, or, you make, or is that actual? No, that was the actual... Yeah, I agree with Marie. How the hell did Loris get this far on his own? Well, see, I told you before that he was frozen with a spell and they brought him into before Kalman and then they kicked him out of the dungeon. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, he couldn't have actually helped you in any way. Yeah. Yeah. He's still with you and you guys have both survived so far. But Loris is like, that sounds like Kalman. Maybe we should leave. He might not have a bad Even though this is your entire quest. And his entire reason for going in was to kill Calvin. I thought his entire reason for going in was to avoid his wife. Really. That well, the initial reason he went in was to get fame for killing Calvin. Mm. Again, so you're like, I think that treasure's probably close by. I don't want to give up yet. Yeah. So you have, you have two choices. You can go down through the archway and face Calvin, or you can run away. Let's go face Calvin. Yeah. Come let's, on. Go, let's go face Calvin. Let's do this. All right. Very gung ho today. Yeah. 
Hey, well, it worked out with the gargoyle. Maybe we'll have another strategic <laughs> You're like, uh, I guess we came this far. <laughs> yeah. So we might as well continue. Mm-hmm. So you go through the archway, and you look around the cavern, and much like Smog's cave, there are gold coins everywhere. Man. <laughs> Big piles of gems and coins and silver bricks. Is Scrooge McDuck's swimming through them? <laughs> <laughs> it's entirely possible that you that you got a drowned duck corpse there <laughs> from the time you couldn't get out again. <laughs> so your breath's taken away and you're like, Loris, I'm, I apologize. I thought you were exaggerating, but holy crap, there's a lot of gold here. I will point out that, yes, there is quite a bit of gold. <laughs> yeah, and you're so dazzled that you fail to notice some other important details. <laughs> of course we did. We really like, need to put more ranks in our, like, spot check. <laughs> this is, this bad. is particularly weird because there's big iron bars. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got big iron bars protecting the treasure. You know you can't break them. And the only thing mm-hmm. that you can see unusual on these is there is a small iron door and it has a strange looking keyhole. <laughs> is it gold and crusted with diamonds? <laughs> and it's shaped like a cross and there's a diamond on each end. Damn it! We did need that key. <laughs> yeah. And now you look around at the statues and you're like these statues look kind of weird because you didn't notice these statues before but we are such connoisseurs of like dungeon architecture and art (laughs) you see that they're surprisingly lifelike there's a bunch of humans halflings elves and there's even a dwarf oh it's gorgon or basilisk (laughs) glare around here yep and they all look pretty horrified and their hands are raised up to protect their heads like what kind of sculptor would have done this i'm thinking this is where the mirror-like shield that i mentioned we have come on is that perseus that's perseus or is that theseus it's perseus 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 against the medusa yeah Yeah. theseus was what the minotaur minotaur yeah and Loris reminds you of the words written on the wall earlier. Oh my god, because I would have forgotten like, those. You now know that this must be the Basilisk Lair. Mm. You're like, what can we do to protect ourselves, says the halfling. He doesn't want to become a statue. And you think back to all you know about Basilisks. They're reptilian. And the only way to defeat them is to turn their gaze back in their own eyes. I got this here shield. Good thing we've got a mirror-like shield. <laughs> yeah, it's convenient. Suddenly you hear heavy breathing. Again? Loris helpfully points out, ah! It's the basilisk! Don't turn around! And you tell Loris, don't turn around. Because <laughs> <laughs> we apparently both needed to be told that. It's just going to eat yeah. us. So you don't. close your eyes, and you just stand there, and you hear evil laughter. Mwah! Do you know our secret fighter? Come, turn around and meet my pets. Not many come this far and none leave, except, of course, your small friend. It seemed I made a mistake letting him go, but who expects worms to grow backbones? This dungeon is a profitable and pleasant place for me. What so kind of a income can he make? <laughs> he is an evil capitalist, among other things. Yeah, well... Probably an oil baron. Yeah. I do not intend to let you spoil my fun. Come, turn around. 
Can we turn around Watch. with our eyes? You have a wild plan. It's it's a one in a million chance, but you know that those ones have the best outcome. Well, as Terry Pratchett says, whenever it's a one in a million chance, if you try it, it's definitely going to succeed. <laughs> so you whisper to Loris, you lower your heads and raise the shield up so that the surface covers your faces, and you spin around. You hear it hiss, and there's hot breath all over you, and then suddenly you hear crunching and crackling and splintering and silence. Ha! So I've got to ask, how do these villains who keep basilisks pets not get killed themselves? Basilisk. Probably wears sunglasses. Yeah, basilisk goggles. In caves. He's got... He's got Ray-Bans. I wear my, my sunglasses in caves. That's a different Corey. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, hey, Kalman, we could leave. And things will be okay between us, right? But you don't hear anything. And the halfling's like, the breathing has stopped. You're like, yeah, we just killed the freaking wrestlers. <laughs> So you guys look out from behind the shield, and there's this big uh, mound of sand and a scaly hide made out of stone. Like, our plan worked, and, but where's Kalman? You're like, well, you must have run away like we've done so many times in this yeah. adventure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can search the room, mm-hmm. uh, which will take time, or you can try and open that lock that's guarding the treasure. I feel like if we try and open that lock without the key, it's going to kill us. Yeah, let's search the room. Yeah, search the room. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. Well, you don't search the room for long. (laughs) Because Calvin slips out from the shadows. Yeah, (laughs) My little joke's gone on too long. Obviously, I need to work on my comic timing. (laughs) What am I going to do with you? I don't know. Maybe I'll turn you into slugs. Then I can step on you whenever I please. And you're like, Okay. Um, maybe a fair fight? You know. Those are like, a thing? You'll feel victory vibes and stuff if you defeat us fairly. And he's like, Shut the fuck up, fighter. <laughs> Except he doesn't say fighter because it says fire here. F-I-G-H-E-R. Hmm. I didn't study magic all these years just so I could fight fair. I have to agree with him on that one, actually. Yeah, very good point. And he raises his arms and force lightning comes out of his fingers. Both of you jump for cover. And he's like, hiding won't save you. Except it probably could. And then Darth Vader lifted him up and threw him into the pit. (laughs) <laughs> so you hear a bunch of sizzling and crackling noises, and then one of these lightning bolts hits your shoulder, yep. and you gasp out in pain and try and judge, but more of them hit you and burn you, and you're stuck on the ground while Loris is whimpering. Yep. And Calman laughs evilly. Quick, Loris, <laughs> you must prove your worth. Block the lightning bolts so that way your flailing corpse can save me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see what I mean? Now stop your silly whining and come here, heroes. I'm going to change you into worms. Then he does the come thither thing while looking at you sexily and bad. <laughs> <laughs> and his robe and falls it works away. Because you're totally into this and crawling after him despite wanting to escape. And both of you are stuck before him. And Kalman goes over to his stone basilisk and is stroking it and going, My sweet pet, I'm going to avenge you. 
Should I turn them into slugs or spiders? You seem pretty set on slugs before. I'm sorry, yeah. like, I, don't get me wrong. If somebody were to, you know, kill my cat or my dog, I'd be upset, but I don't think you need to go avenging it. It probably cost him a lot to get the baseless. He is a capitalist. I imagine he's annoyed at the loss of money. Suddenly you hear Loris's voice, because up to now he's just been crying. He's like, no, you aren't going to turn me into a bug. I hate bugs. And to your amazement, he gets up and flings himself at the wizard, screaming, I don't want to be a bug. That time. Can we just pretend he was screaming, like, freedom or vengeance or something moderately cool? No, <laughs> this is totally keeping with his character. No, it's entirely self-interest. <laughs> <laughs> so he locks his arms around Kalman's knees and manages to grab hold. And Kalman at first is finds this kind of funny, <laughs> but he starts getting irritated after a while because he can't get the damn halfling off. <laughs> yeah, where's your magic so, now? Doesn't work for grapple, does it? <laughs> so he points his fingertips at Loris, and Loris says, "No, I don't want to be hurt either." So what, <laughs> he's, what, what's he's, he's very brave. Annoy him to death. <laughs> but this distracts Kalman enough that he manages to knock the wizard over. And now that the wizard's down, you're able to struggle up to your knees. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the wizard is cursing and telling Loris that he'll turn him into various kind of bugs. And Loris just keeps on going, I hate bugs, I hate bugs. Mm -hmm. So finally, Kalman manages to get one leg free and he kicks out at the half leg. <laughs> right you in realize, the face. Yeah, you realize this is your only chance. So, gathering all your strength, you throw yourself on top of the wizard, and you manage to grab both of his wrists and pin him to the ground. Where's the sword? <laughs> Where's the knife? Like, we've got sharp, pointy metal things. Well, I guess you're a low-level fighter, so most of your skills are in your hand-to-hand. -hand no, 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 that's not how That's bullshit. We're supposed to be, like, ex an experienced our sword, adventurer. Our sword has been out for this entire story, except for this moment. <laughs> Freaking railroading. So, yeah, anyway, he's roaring in fury at you, and he snarls, and he's like, You can't win this! Even with this stupid halfling holding my leg, I'm more than a match for you! I'd hope so. Yeah, because we, we, all know, we all know a halfling grabbing your leg is such a handicap. So you're about to give some kind of witty response, but then the wizard gives you a shove, and you both fall over again. You're, like, rolling around. This is a very slapstick epic confrontation. I'd just like to point that out. I feel it's a little... It is geared towards children. It sounds like now we're just arguing in the playground. Yeah, Loris is still clinging onto Kalman's leg, and he's like, do something, do something. And you're like, what am I supposed to do? Oh, Seriously? We're really dumb. I mean, I know we've been so, ragging on Loris, but we're not that smart. No. It looks like Kalman used to be a pro wrestler, so <laughs> having a hard time keeping a grip on him, and things are looking bad for you. And at this point, risking the chance that Kalman's going to struggle free, you draw your sword. <laughs> Finally! <laughs> when did we sheath it? That was never explained. <laughs> But at the same moment, Kalman dashes you against the cavern wall, and you drop your weapon. Yeah, typical. So he grabs it, and he flings it across the room. It's hit him with the shield! I don't know! So you roll away, and strike at the treasure room bars, uh, which doesn't kill you immediately, like I thought it would. <laughs> yeah, why did we strike at the bars? 
I think we rolled into them is oh, what it's okay. saying. Yeah, you rolled into them while you were trying to get away from Calvin. Mm-hmm. Who in this illustration looks kind of like Fu Manchu. <laughs> oh. thing to visualize. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, I forgot that a little bit of racism should have been expected. Yeah. So you realize you're at the end of your strength, and he does too, and he jumps on you, and he points a bony finger at your face, and you think the end is near, but... Loris is gonna stab him, me. Loris bit him. No, he bit him. <laughs> Didn't stab him, he bit him. Uh, uh, so he's got his jaws clamped right down on the wizard's leg. <laughs> and you scramble for your sword, but it's far across the other end of the room. Sir, is this a halfling or a raccoon? Like, I feel like you shouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> so you're you're looking around for anything that you could use. But there's only, like, coins and stuff. We have a knife! We have two knives! You can take the knife off Suddenly, you grip a heavy metal rod, which grows warm when you touch it. Yeah, great. Ew. Now it's glowing pale green, and Kalman's like, Holy crap, did I just leave that lying around (laughs) 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 He cringes, and he holds his hand up before him, trying to escape the rod that you're holding Ew. and his mouth moves but he's not able to speak that, this is going well so you hit him with the rod good has he turned into a frog she shatters into a million splinters hey. what the hell did we just hit him with it's a, it's a rod <laughs> there's a big black cloud spits out from the shell that he used to be and wisely you and Loris escape this cloud of stink because you've had bad experiences with clouds before. <laughs> it's like, ew, that's ew. <laughs> oh, there used to be a guy. I don't want to breathe in dead guy. Yeah. <laughs> so you suddenly hear a ear-splitting howl and a chicken that is not a chicken <laughs> appears. It has no feathers. Like, actually a chicken that is not a chicken? It looks like a chicken. But it has the, it's the ugliest chicken you've ever seen. This is like the scene from Gamers 2 where somebody animates their dinner. Is this a cockatrice now or something? Oh. It has no feathers. The eyes are big and they have no lids. It's got a big old curved beak. Mm-hmm. And the eyes are studying every detail in the room. So, again, you start reaching for your sword. But as soon as you move... The chicken squawks evilly at you. <laughs> it squawks evilly. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> no, I'm editorializing now. This is Terry Goodkind speaking through me. Yes, obviously. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> so it starts hovering, and you look away because it's just so scary. It's weird. How can it hover when it has no feathers? It's not flapping. It's just hovering. Oh. <laughs> It's like... the, book, the book is silent on this point of monster biology. Okay. Uh, so you can tell now that it has a big snake tail. Oh. And it actually does have bat-like wings, so I spoke too soon. And even though we were just told it was featherless, it has dirty white feathers on oh. its shoulders. <laughs> At the same time. How odd. <laughs> it's so it's, it's an enigma. It's <laughs> a mystery. Here's the thing. Throwing out the laws of biology, fine, but be consistent in your writing, damn it. <laughs> so the creature's beating its wings, and the halfling's like, we gotta do something about this. So you start reaching for your sword again, 
which yeah. seems to never be a good idea. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> because the chicken who is not a chicken yeah. dives at you, and you try and hit it with the wand, which isn't glowing anymore. It probably had one spell in it. It doesn't seem to do anything. Yeah. So it starts dive-bombing you. And you're getting dizzy. Can we just wring its neck? It's a chicken. (laughs) And at last, it goes straight for you, and you collapse on the ground with blood pouring out of you. Loris rushes to your side and cradles your head. And he's like, well, he didn't get you in the face. (laughs) So that's good. And you're like, okay, that's fine. Maybe. So you get up, and the metal rod tumbles to the ground, and Loris is like, good thing that magical stick was just lying around here out in the open. Where's the chicken thing? So wait, did the chicken thing just disappear? Yeah, it hit you, and I forgot to mention <laughs> that it flew off down the other corridor. Oh, well, that, uh. well, that was all. <laughs> Very neat. So it's just you and Loris in this room. Uh, still, there is a giant wall between you and the treasure. Yeah. So you're like, well, well, it looks like we defeated Kalman. Yeah, and or turned into a chicken. Loris is like, well, not really, because he's flown away. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, damn it, and you guys look around, but you're like, well, he's gone. Yeah. And basically, what's there probably isn't intelligent or anything, it's just what's left over. Mm -hmm. So that's okay. And the halfling's like, what was that chicken that wasn't a chicken? you're like, I... I don't Wait, know. <laughs> did, did, did Loris just say that the chicken thing was Calvin and that it flew away? Yeah. <sighs> Inconsistent writing. But you're like, maybe we'll just find a place and die somewhere. And Loris is like, so do you think we've won? And you go look at the locked door. So you have, oh dear. If you found the key that will fit the door, turn to number two. If you do not have the key... Well, I guess you have to go well, that we way. Don't have the key. This isn't a choice. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have the key. So you look sadly at the treasure room. You know you can't break the door down even <laughs> as hard as you try. And you're like, well, we can't get at the treasure. And Halfman's like, what do you mean, Carrick? Look, there's all this treasure there. And again, you tell him, no, there's no way we can get to it. <laughs> However, Loris looks at you strangely takes a stiff wire from his pocket and goes to the treasure room door. He bends the wire into like a hairpin shape, puts it into the lock, and it's not a very good lock because it only takes one try. Are you serious? And he pops it open, and the door comes open, and you're like, Loris, how'd you do that? He's like, I've been picking locks ever since I was a kid. Yeah, because that's what you're taught in halfling childhood, apparently. The end! That's what? <laughs> we didn't need the goddamn key. <laughs> so yeah, you despite missing out on the key, it didn't matter. Cause I'm curious. Suddenly... Go to the section where if we'd had the key, because I'm, I'm curious what would have happened if we'd actually had it. Mm-hmm. We probably just opened the door. <laughs> Fortunately, it was just the page previous where that question was raised, mm. so I can actually tell you. <laughs> so if you had the key, basically pull it out. And Loris is like, awesome! (laughs) (laughs) So you open the door, you dive into the pile of gold, and 
You actually do do a Scrooge McDuck in the book. <laughs> rain gems all over yourself and go diving through. So it's, it's, it's raining gems. Hallelujah, it's, it's raining gems. gems. So using true adventure logic, you're like, well, I know that the wizard stole all this treasure from everyone around here, which is why you wanted to get rid of him. But look, look how much treasure there is. There's no way that we could locate all the correct owners like someone would try and swindle us and claim it all so, so let's just we'll put donate part of it to your village little halfling and we'll share the rest of the treasure together you know it's really <laughs> easy for two to keep a secret if one's dead can we stab loris now and just keep it all <laughs> so loris he stuffs his pockets with gold and he's like what are you gonna do with your share and you're like i'm gonna claim this mountain for myself Try and stop me, Morris. <laughs> <laughs> and if this were me writing, you would become the next evil wizard. <laughs> Despite but being a spider. Is, yeah. This is not me writing. You do not become an evil warlord. You decide to turn this to a base where you can train other fighters. In the fine art of falling down an opportunity. And you're like, Loris, will you be my right-hand man? No! Uh. <laughs> Are you sure? So... You fill up your sacks, you're like, we'll come get the rest later, because we know how to get through here now. Mm. We really don't. We, we just really kind of stumbled and fell. Plus, we, there was there's a blocked-off a... corridor. How do yeah, we get out? we'll just have to figure out how to get back. Very inconsistently written this book. So, you leave the mountain, mm-hmm. and the end. Yeah. So, it's a bit more satisfying than the not having the key ending. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit more satisfying, but I kind of like the <laughs> Either end. way, you made it through this adventure without dying, despite a little note at the beginning that was all like, you need to make wise choices and stuff. We made some bad choices. determined that you yeah. can just pick one and hope for the You best. can kind of stumble <laughs> You just kind of, yeah, I was going to say, you stumble your way through and eventually it works out. Although, we probably have slightly better choice skills than eight-year-olds, so... I feel like also because this is the first one, there's probably less death endings mm. than maybe mm. later on. Well, anyway, but yeah, that was that, fun. That was Endless Quest Book One from 1982, Dungeon of Dread. What did you guys think? That was fun. Endless Quest, you say? So there's more, more to be had. Yes, um, if, if you want to go through this again with the other books in the stack I have. We can make this a ongoing series. I, I think making this an ongoing series would be a fun idea. I also think this was infinitely more fun as adults who were enjoying it for all the wrong reasons than it would have been as a kid playing it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. I agree. I will say that unlike Choose Your Own Adventures, the world at least is kind of consistent mm. in that it doesn't. the world itself doesn't change based on the choices that you make. Yeah, like the R.L. Stein <laughs> Carnival of Horrors, it was just like, whatever freaky thing could happen could happen, and then you'd die, so. Yeah, it's still kind of random. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I, some of the choices, I don't know, it's just complete luck that you've survived this encounter. Yeah. I hope and... Morris isn't in the next ones. If he is, I'm going to be really Well, mad. you'll be playing different characters. Yeah. Good. The rest of the books, unfortunately, so. <laughs> that was our first Dungeoneering special episode. Yep, very special episode. 
I hope you listeners enjoyed it as much as we did. And you can find Michael at onelastsketch.wordpress.com. He's also available on iTunes, Stitcher, and something else. It's mostly just iTunes and Stitcher. Yeah, okay, I thought it was iTunes and Stitcher. And you can find me over at yatropexy.wordpress.com, where I do actually update stuff. So, yeah. And... For those of you who've forgotten since the last episode, I have an ongoing web serial at zaudamo.wordpress.com. Z-A-W-D-A-M-O. Yeah. So, thank you all for listening, and if you like this podcast, recommend it.